welcome to One Heart, One Mind, a podcast of the Nampa, Idaho South Stake to inspire and give hope in our efforts to build Zion. And now your host, Kim Keller. Well, welcome to the One Heart, One Mind Nampa podcast. This is a podcast that the Nampa South Stake and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has started. Uh, actually, in response to the whole COVID virus situation, we have felt that the members of our stake haven't had a chance to congregate very much. To We don't have stake conferences or ward conferences. We, we're not hearing the stories of the members. And the members aren't hearing the stories from each other. And it's a time we think that we'd like to help inject some, some hope and some positivity. So we thought we'd try a podcast and see how that works. So tonight is our second podcast, and we are grateful and thankful to have three marvelous sisters here with us tonight. They are the spouses of the members of the stake presidency. We've got uh, Sister Diana Stuckey, Sister Shree Keller, and Sister Caroline Bauer. And welcome all three of you. Thank you. Thank you. We're glad to have you. So what we want to do is ask you some questions, kind of get to know you a little bit, hear some of your stories. So let's just jump right into it. Sister Stuckey, I'm looking at you. <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself. What, uh, what's, wh- how can we get to know you a little bit better? And maybe you tell us a thing or two we don't know about you. Okay. Well, I am an introvert. And so public speaking and being in front of people is, is pretty hard for me. So um, actually this, um, I don't know, being home by myself and, and this COVID thing has worked great for me. Um, but because I like to cook, I like to sew, I like to garden, I like to to do things at home, and so it anyway, I, I like to do that. But I did start learning how to golf this year. Oh. Keith needed a, a golf partner because our kids have all left home, and so he thought I would enjoy that. So I'm enjoying it. Are you having a good time with that? Yeah, I think it'll be good. Just straight, just hit them straight. That's all that matters. I know. That's yeah. I. That's what I do. I, I have to totally concentrate. I stand there and go, okay, straight arm, straight arm, straight arm, straight arm, and and it goes straight. If I just keep my my arm straight. Are my you swing. highly competitive? Because that uh, can make it a little bit of a challenge sometimes. Okay, yeah, I am. I am <laughs> kind of competitive, but in this beginning learning stages, I'm I'm not keeping score. I just I'm trying to hit the ball. I have heard great story. You were part of a bakery or something, at that, if I remember, right? You Did you cook in, a, in a, a, a bakery? Yeah, I did. I worked in bakeries. So that's why your cakes are legendary around the, around the steak. I do. I do like making cakes, yeah. Do you ever put pies in, what's it called, a pie safe? What was it called that President Stuckey had? What, what? I do have them? a pie safe, but it has um, office supplies in it. Okay. So <laughs> it's more of a cabinet. Nice. It, it, it just... It ended up in a different room than the kitchen, so it doesn't have pies in it. But. We had, none of us had heard of it. He was he told us about it last week. He made a pie, pie, what's pie it? a pie safe. He made a pie safe. So yeah. we didn't know what that was, but we learned last last yeah. podcast. Wonderful. Thank you, Sister Keller. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Awesome. Well, um, Sister Stuckey, I'm a lot like you. I'm also an introvert, and so I'm very comfortable being home alone and and having a quiet house. And sometimes people don't necessarily think that about me when they get to know me that maybe surprises people Um, but I am an introvert I'm I'm comfortable being alone and then you add that to the fact that I tend to put more on my plate than I can chew so I'm often very frantic I'm always in a hurry and uh, so sometimes I can give people an interesting (laughs) impression but uh, 
I do like people. I like talking to people one-on-one. That's probably how I'm most comfortable is more in a one-on-one setting than, than in a big group. Um, something unique about me is that uh, I, I really just can't seem to get enough of school. And so I'm in school right now, and it was intended to be online. So I'm in online school just like my children. Um, but for me, that's kind of business as usual. That was, you know, planning to be online. Um, I think it's interesting that in May, you were finishing up your MBA. So you were online. I was online. Preston and Macy Lynn came home from BYU, and they were online, and the Shepherd went to online. So literally in the month of May, all five of us were doing online school. That's right. <laughs> that's awesome. So what, what are you studying? I mean, what's, what's, the, what's your – I mean, what was – what did you study before, and what are you studying now? Are they similar, or are they sure. different? No, they're not really the same. I mean, I went to BYU and got a degree in electrical engineering, uh, worked in aerospace, and then that led me to becoming a teacher, which I, I think I found my, you know, sometimes we, when we're later in life, we kind of figure out what we're really good at, or maybe what we were intended to do. And uh, I found later in life that I was intended you know my job was to be a teacher and so I became a physics teacher and taught at Skyview High School Um, and now I work in higher ed I work for BYU Idaho I help mentor student teachers and my education is I'm working on a PhD in educational leadership perfect wonderful thank you thank you welcome sister Bauer hello hey Tell us what. Tell us something about you. You you have a you have an athletic shirt on right now. What's that shirt say? Oh yeah, that's the club that I run, and it's called Idaho Crush. It's a volleyball club. So. Do you know anything about volleyball? <laughs> yeah, so I've coached over twenty years. Yeah, so I've coached a long time, and I played back in the day. Danny and I both played at BYU. So. I got to tell you, there was one day I was watching BYU TV about ten years ago. And they, it was back before they had all these new shows that they're making. And it was an old volleyball game. And at the bottom, it said, like, whack championship game or something like that. And, and I saw you. I think I saw you, like, get the winning point or something like that. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Do I remember Yeah, it, we were, BYU was playing Hawaii. Okay. Yeah, and it was an epic match. It was, it was back in the day when they did not have rally scoring. So every point, I mean, and we, I think that match, we ended up, it was one of the longest matches in history of volleyball I went over four and a half hours and they rerun that and show that every yeah. single I think every month maybe wow. sister Keller you could you could tell me because she she's very good at the BYU well, well I was just going to say they don't have a lot of content right now so they yeah. are showing a lot of reruns yeah but I'm sure they show that one <laughs> over and over well I remember watching it because it was that old block letters you know not the nice digital oh, stuff yeah. there's those block letters and it had Caroline Bauer you know and so it's yeah. awesome I thought I know that yeah. person yeah. Tell us more. Tell us a little about. Um, I would say the thing about me that most people know about me is that I have seven daughters. I would say it's the most. I would say that's the thing that makes me the proudest. Make I just feel like that's my identity and who I am because I'm just so proud of them and I just really focus on them. It just makes me so happy. So anything about my daughters, I just immerse myself completely in. Um, and I would say something unique about me would be the fact that I love outdoors. I love, I joke with Danny all the time because I'm like, I would rather be outdoor mucking my horse stalls any day than cleaning a toilet. And he's like, okay, let's do that. So I just love being outside. I love my animals. I love 
just working out there. I love hunting. I love fishing. I love just being in nature. I just love it. Cool. So, yeah. That is great. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Man. Can I just, yeah. just for something? Uh-oh. So I would just like to say that I have tasted uh, Diana's cook- baking, and it's amazing. And I did have the opportunity to watch Caroline's daughters play volleyball at BYU, and they were amazing. And thank, thanks to Caroline, I got to meet one of my heroes because I watch BYU Sports Nation every single day. I just love, I bleed blue. And thanks to Caroline and being there, um, one of my heroes was calling the game, and I was officially deemed a, an, an elite fan. So thank you for that opportunity to be there. Awesome. <laughs> to get that title. That's good. I, I can tell you this, too. It, so uh, at our house, uh, at Christmas time, you get all these baked goods that come. And as they come, Shri doesn't want to eat them all. So she just throw this one's on, this one's gone. I go, this is stookies. We're keeping this one. <laughs> so, so nice. <laughs> so it's kind of fun. Good. Well, let me have, ask some, some more questions. Let's go a little bit deeper on some things. Uh, Sister Stuckey, if you were to look at uh, now versus uh, six, well, six months ago, right, when we before the whole COVID virus came along, how are things better and how are things more difficult uh, for you and your family the last six months? Okay, I think better, I think we've slowed down just a little bit um, because... I guess because we had to. We had to stay home for a while. I mean, Keith was off work for about six weeks, and um, the kids kind of came home from school a, a little bit more. I, you know, Abraham came home, then Emma came home. We just we slowed down a little bit, and I think that kind of helped us refocus a little bit, maybe a little bit more time for reflection, um, more time for family councils um, about... I, I think we had a lot more conversations about what's really important and how to prioritize our time and um, to really kind of take it take a look at what's going on and say okay how are we how are we viewing this are we viewing this in in a fearful way we just had a lot more open conversations about things um, maybe that that wouldn't have come up if we didn't have a major crisis that that is was affecting the world you know it's fascinating I I'm always like, when the kids get old enough, I say, please go to school. Just go. It's time for you to be gone and do your thing. But that moment when they all came back, I know personally, I don't know if it's just this unknown fear, but there is a comfort of all of us being together in the home, which which usually I'm like, it's time for you guys to move on. But I felt a very different feeling with my family this time when, when, when the COVID virus started. So. Yeah, I think we felt that too. Have any, what, what's been harder for you? What, what has been some more difficult things, would you say? Okay, I'm, I'm claustrophobic, so the mask thing is really an issue for me. It is really hard for me to wear them for a long time. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that I'm finding troubling is um, when you go to the store and people are sad and, and they don't talk to each other and they don't look at each other. I, I'm just finding that kind of... Um, distance and isolation from people troubling. Um, I mean, I think not directly related to me, but just in general, I think there's there's this feeling of um, hopelessness and fear that kind of per- pervades anywhere you go. And I think that's tr- it's troubling to me that people are are feeling that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, there's. And, and, you know, that's kind of our challenge, too, as members of the gospel, people who follow the gospel of Jesus Christ. How do we take that knowledge and that experience to help bring hope and, and some, some joy to people around us when we see that? That's a, that's a challenge. 
Um, so dealing with those things and in the stake, you are front row to the stake president, right? And so he, he's day. the one trying, yeah, you do see him every day. He is the one who has uh, the keys and quite a burden to try to think about when we look at people in their, in their loneliness or in their frustrations or in their, uh, in, when there's strife between people. Um, how, have you seen changes in his leadership or how, he, how he's approaching things in the stake? I think um, as I, was, I, I think that he's basically the same. I haven't seen a big shift in, in, in him as a person, but I, I have seen an intensification in his focus on moving forward without fear and um, just taking, taking our cues from the prophet and the general authorities. I mean, they're moving forward. They're, they're, there isn't anything that needs to hold us back. And, and so he's feeling an urgency about trying to help people see that we don't have to be afraid. That, that feeling doesn't come from our Heavenly Father. And, and if we'll focus on, on the Savior and his, his leadership and his plan and his direction and lean on him, then we can move forward even with an uncertain direction. We can move forward without fear, even not knowing what's, what's going to happen next month or next week or two, two years from now. Mm-hmm. You know, I, um, you and President Stuckey uh, spent a lot of time in the temple. I've been to the temple before and, and seen you even folding clothes back in the laundry. I mean, so you do extra time. Uh, <laughs> tell us how it's been, though, with the temple closed. How has that been for you and, and him? And then what do you do to refill that, that spiritual uh, spiritual bucket that maybe has been harder to refill without the temple? Yeah, we have missed the temple. That is, um, We started going to the temple regularly when we were dating. We just went every week. Um, that was our Friday night date when we were dating because it was free. You know, we were in school, didn't have any money. And so um, it's been, it's been a, a very important part of our our lives and so this has been a long six months um, without being able to go but we have talked a lot and and Abraham was preparing to go to the temple and was supposed to go right when the the temples closed and so um, he was home and so we were able to um, do some temple preparation with him which I think helped fill in some of some of the um, the missing of being there um, and we were able to talk to him about covenants and that our temple covenants um, give us protection and power and and strength regardless of whether we are there or not. And so just because we couldn't be there doesn't mean we can't draw on that same power and that same strength because we've made covenants. And so um, we were able to talk to him about that. Um, as a temple worker, I did get emails from the temple presidency every week, and they had some really great quotes that they would share um, about the temple from prophets, and those were were encouraging and uplifting as well. But just I think, but just remembering that our our temple covenants are ours, and that power is there whether we're able to go or not. Uh, yeah, good reminder. Good reminder. We are being a covenant people. Is, is a powerful thing that always draws us back to Heavenly Father and to get those promises, huh? Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you. Thanks. 
Uh, I'm going to move over to Sister Keller a little bit here. So, yeah, it was previously mentioned in the podcast that, uh, so uh, if they haven't figured out by now, uh, the person who's doing the interviewing is uh, is is your husband. Right. <laughs> so so here's the thing. So I mentioned last time that, that we got married um, uh, my last year of dental school, so my basically eighth year of school. Tell us tell us how uh, how how we met. Sure. I I have to say I'm happy to tell the story. I have to say it's a little bit awkward having you ask the question since you know the answer. How about if I give my version and then you give your version? How I, does that sound? I might edit. So, okay. So <laughs> so just to give some context um, for uh, where we met, we both went to BYU, um, overlapped there, but didn't meet at BYU. And we ended up meeting in Los Angeles while you were at dental school and I was working as an engineer after graduating from BYU. And um, from what I remember, uh, we both went to a, um, was it a fireside or a, a would you call it a fireside? It's just, it was in the morning. So that's why I I wouldn't hesitate to call it a fireside. But um, President Hinckley, who at the time was not profit, but was in the uh, first presidency, uh, came down to USC's institute to conduct a fireside for uh, single young adults. And I uh, was invited by a friend, because uh, I lived in Orange County, but I was invited by a friend to go attend that. And uh, you were there as well. And I remember at, when it was over, walking down the, the aisle to, to leave, to go to the exit, I literally bumped into you. And uh, you said, hey, I remember you. Your name's Cherie Keller. You knew things about me. Keller, yes. Oh, that's right. Yes. But oh, that's right. For, uh, yeah. Yes, I was Cherie Swenson <laughs> at that time. <laughs> Almost forgot. Um, that's right. But you knew my name. You knew what, I, what my job was. You knew where I lived. So I was a little taken aback because I wasn't sure. And, and I said, oh, yeah, I remember you, which I really wasn't exactly sure. But... Um, but from that time on, you you were able to get because back in those days we didn't have smartphones, so we had to get a phone number by getting it from somebody or looking it up in the phone book, and <laughs> so you got my phone number from um, someone you knew that lived in my ward, and called me and and we started dating and we we got married. It was almost exactly a year after we started dating, so. Would you like to edit the story? That's pretty close. That's pretty close. I I, I fear it makes me look like a stalker. So yep. let's uh, <laughs> let's re- rewind a little bit. Uh, so we actually did meet before that. We met at some uh, party in Torrance where a bunch of uh, uh, students uh, from UCLA, USC, or just whoever they knew were there. It was somebody had an apartment complex with a strange rec room. And I remember being there, and you come bouncing in with one of your friends. And I said, hey, what's your name? I thought she was pretty cute. And she says, uh, tells me her name, and I remembered the name, and I remember what she studied. So I remembered both of those things. And then you just bounced out. So I think I was just one stop on your bouncing that day. And so that's why you did not remember me. So, But when I saw you, I was like, I, 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 went, I could tell. My great powers of perception could tell right away you had no clue who I was, even though I told you that I did that before. <laughs> well, so. in your defense, I was the the new kid on the block there. You knew everyone at the party already, and I didn't know anybody. Oh, so I everybody see. was new to me, and <laughs> so I probably stuck out. But, yes, it was a year after that initial meeting that I recall um, meeting you at the fireside. 
It was great for both of us mm -hmm. every time. Either way you look yeah, at it. It was just wonderful. <laughs> so here's some things that, of course, I know this about you, and many know this about you, because even though you are introverted, you spend a lot of time uh, training, exercising. And uh, what is it that you're training and exercising for? What are you doing? What, what's, what's up? Oh, you know, that's funny. I, I get that question a lot, and I don't always have a good answer. I I just know that that's that, um, that physical fitness, I think physical fitness is something that I discovered a little later in life, probably around 35 or 40. I started exercising and just found that it was a really good way for me to stay emotionally balanced in life. And it's how I deal with stress. Um, it makes me happy. It makes me feel strong. And so that can be a lot of different things. I mean, I started off just running and ran a few marathons and uh, then had an injury. And then I, um, you know, something, here's something unique about me is that I grew up not knowing how to swim, just being terrified of, of the water. And um, after a foot injury, I decided in, when I was 45, I decided to learn how to swim. And I've been taking swim lessons ever since. And so during those years, I started doing triathlons and uh, did a half Ironman. Um, let's see, I guess it was about a year ago. Um, so it just depends what I'm doing at the time. It may be a race. Most races have been canceled this year. So there really haven't been an event to really train for specifically. But, you know, you'd have to kind of do it virtually. But even if I'm not training for an event, I just still go out and pretend like I am training for an event. So I do arrange my life around that. Did the whole COVID virus and shutdown of gyms, did that affect you? I mean, what did you find yourself struggling to, to keep up with that, or did you have to uh, modify in some ways? So it's interesting to think about that question because I think the broader question, the thing that's really relevant to that is how do we respond when we have barriers to things that we want to accomplish? So say, for example... Yes, I maybe needed to go to the gym to lift weights or to use the pool to practice my swimming. And now all of a sudden the rec center's closed. Okay, that becomes a barrier. And what I observed through this COVID experience, at least as it relates to exercise, but I think we can broaden that to other contexts as well. But as it relates to exercise, I found people saying, oh, well, the gym's closed. And they just went home and watched TV and, you know, and ate potato chips and, and, and I, I, it was almost as if it was an, became an excuse um, to yeah, not do something. Well, yeah. well for me. So, <laughs> it it yeah. became an excuse to not do something. It was almost like they were um, relieved to have this barrier put in place because it created a reason to not have to go do something. Um, it, it, because exercise is so important to me, that did not become a barrier for me. Um, I just decided, okay, well, I can't go to the, the swim right now. And it was too cold to swim outside at the time. It was March. So I decided, okay, I haven't done a marathon for a few years. I'll start training for a marathon. And I probably upped my mileage too fast and ended up breaking my foot about two months into training. So that's, you could say, well, there's another barrier, right? Like you could say, well, I guess I broke my foot. I guess I can go watch the news like everybody else now. But if you're really motivated and if there's something that's really important to you, there really isn't, there aren't any barriers to accomplishing it. And, and I think the question becomes, what can I do? 
and and I've tried to approach everything in that context when barriers pop up. What can I do? Even if I have to ask the doctor, what can I do? And they said, you can bike, you can swim, you can lift weights, you cannot run. And it was hard. It really hurt because I had a goal to do a marathon this year. But but I have found joy in um, doing other things that still help me fit the, the ultimate goal. Now, I bring up the idea, this idea of barriers because it's really easy for me to sit here and say, oh, well, I'm someone who doesn't, you know, get, uh, get defeated by barriers. I find a way around them. Well, that really depends on the context, right? So in that context, there is nothing that's going to stop me from accomplishing that goal, even if I have to run around my house or do jumping jacks in my garage. There's, I will find something to do. But I was thinking about what Sister Stuckey said about the temple and how she is used to going to the temple every week. And, you know, you hear in church and in testimony meetings, people say, every time I go to the temple or try to go to the temple, I have all these barriers. You know, I get a flat tire or something happens with the sitter or the dog, I mean, whatever. And they say how they have to overcome all these barriers. Well, I am someone that in that context, I'm going to be like the guy on the couch, and I'm going to say, oh, well, I can't go to the temple because I have a flat tire. You know, I'm not going to get on my bike and ride there, but I will get on my bike and ride 50 miles for exercise, right? So I think the, <laughs> I think the question becomes, what are the things in our lives that we're allowing barriers to prevent progress? And we all have them. And we all have those things that we're motivated in. We have those things that we're not motivated in. But we can ask ourselves in any context, what can I do? Right. That's great. I uh, I was thinking as you were talking, I was reading about this this ex-Marine. He talks about how, how, how no matter what you got, if you have a broken arm, then you exercise the other arm until it's healed. If you can, you know, it's like, you know, do something every day. And, and I would think in a spiritual context, too, you talk about the temple and the barriers or whether it's scriptures. It's so much the same thing. It's like it, no matter what your barrier or problem or issue is, if you could just begin with something and say, I'm doing that, even if it's not exactly what I thought it was going to be, I'm going to do something about that. And, and that can be a real motivator for hope and to feel like I've accomplished something today. And sometimes it's just getting up off the couch, even metaphorically, and saying, I'm going to go do the next step of something. And uh, it would, in this time, I think it's important to think that way. It's interesting you bring up that example. I didn't know what, about what you had heard from the Marine, but there's actually a lot of research in exercise research that says that, for instance, if you have a broken arm, if you exercise the other arm, then the broken one will heal faster. And so perhaps that's an analogy to if we can find what our strengths are um, and use them, that will help us overcome our weaknesses. Yeah. Perfect. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Sister Bauer, yes. some questions for you. That was awesome, Sister Keller. <laughs> I'm like motivated. Let's go to the gym, everyone. Let's go. It's open now. So wrap this up. <laughs> so you, I'm going to chuckle because uh, Shri, her whole thing is she'll do anything that doesn't involve a ball, right? It's like she, she does, she'll do anything that's an individual sport where there's no ball because she'll, she'll claim the coordination is not just not there. But you, we just talked earlier, you, so tell us about you and volleyball, because that's a main part of your life and your girl's life. 
And what happened with you guys when the COVID virus uh, kind of stopped accessibility to gyms and that kind of thing? Yeah, it was it, as as of everyone. I mean, it affected our our life, our family life, but it affected so many lives. It was interesting because I got to watch it firsthand. So to give you a little background, so my the club that I run, I have over I have close to three hundred girls, and their age ranges from about eight years old, seven to eight, you know, all the way up to 18 years old. And so, um, and these kids, it's these young girls. It was, it, for me personally, when it stopped, it happened in March, you know, when kind of everything kind of happened. And that's right when club season for volleyball is booming and it's just happening. And so we're traveling a lot and we're competing a lot. And we were just kind of in the midst of just things just flourishing. So it was so much fun. And then it just stopped. And for me personally, it was kind of fun because I got to take a step back and have my weekends available and spend time with the family, which was just amazing for me personally. But to see it affect the girls was honestly heartbreaking for me. And um, I got to see it affect not only from maybe from a mental illness side standpoint, but I got to see it when I'm talking about depression and I got to see it truly affect them, um, on a personal level. And it was, it's it was really, really hard for me. Um, and these are great girls. I had some of my older girls that it affected recruiting. So they lost the opportunity. Those that were seniors lost an opportunity to go to college, um, or it stalled it. So there was a lot of stress there. Um, and then, you know, and just the bonding with your, your, the team and that those friendships they lost, um, and just the exercising that those girls got, um, it just it was it was really hard to watch it. So, f- f- you know, it was it was twofold. It was nice for me, you know, just to kind of take a step back because I'm gone a lot. Um, so it was really nice, but at the same time, it was really hard. So. And things are perking up now, though. Yeah, yeah, it's it really is. It's great. It high schools, as we all know, have been <laughs> it's a little interesting trying to even get a foot in the door in a high school. Um, but so we don't really rely heavily on high schools. Um, thank heavens. There's this beautiful gym called metal. Um, and we have been able to run camps and clinics and just anything we could do for these kids. Um, my club season, hasn't even started, but what's been really cool about that facility is it's provided these kids an opportunity to get in the gym and not have to rely on high schools. And so, but it's been awesome. And to see those kids perk up and be grateful for the fact a, a, sim, a simple drill to them where I'm just tossing balls and they're hitting balls, they would take that for granted. And now they're so appreciative and grateful just to even put a foot in the door in a gym. And it's been really cool. So that's been neat to see. Do you have suggestions for kids out there who maybe they're not real talented at playing a sport, but, but you know, as parents, maybe we're really fearful that they're just not getting much activity. What what do you see the benefits of activity and what can we do to just to help encourage either our kids or our friends' kids or what, what are some any I mean that's just some thoughts you got there. Yeah, I I'm just like Shree. Like I love I want our kids to be physical. You know, like whatever that is, be physical in whatever you do. So go out if you're out outdoors, so you know like go give a hundred percent to if, if you're riding a horse, go have fun with that. Be outdoors, go have fun. But if it's, if it's 
if it's in ter- pertaining to sports, I just, I just am so, such a believer in those kids getting their endorphins kicking in and feeling that sense of accomplishment, working through failure and understanding success. And, and I do know that there's so many programs out there. They do not have to play, be a high level D1 athlete in order to go and find that success. Or um, I just know that there's leagues and there's so many things that these kids can do and that parents can put their kids, get them involved in, whether it's just swimming or um, go out for a bike, but go and just get, get active in it and immerse yourself in that. But, you know, as you were talking, I just had this thought. You, ta- you said something about, about uh, just get that body moving. And it is fascinating that God gives us what he calls the soul, which is spirit and body together. And if we aren't really in contact with that body, if we don't know what it can do, we're missing out, aren't we? I mean, whether it's being coordinated in a way that you can play athletics or you can do a, a lifetime sport or, or just know that you can move it around and get the blood moving to, to give you the ability to, to think a little straighter and to feel confidence. And well, I got this body that does things, you know. So important to use it to do that maximum. So that's thank you for, for those thoughts. Now, yeah. uh, how about just at home? Let's just take athletics out of it for a minute and say at home, the, how has the virus, uh, this, this pandemic, this, this whole shutdown, how has that affected your children at home and your family life over the last six months? Well, it's been really fun, actually. I, I, it was fun because I was able to get those two college girls back home. How fun was that? So my family was complete. Um, and we were doing the projects around the house, in the house, that would never have been accomplished ever. We would never have touched you know, doing certain things. And just the, again, the simplicity of um, a normal life, you know, like what we call normal, I think we were able to bring time and slow it a little bit. And I think that was just so much fun to have in our home. Um, But I would say one of the coolest things was just the fact that, you know, and this maybe lead into one of the questions that maybe you have down there, our next question, but I just think the coolest thing was to have church in our home. And I think for Sunday, that was really neat for us because we, you know, I think we get kind of caught up in hurrying and scrambling to get to church and we lose, again, lose the value of the ownership that I was able to see my daughters have. So when they woke up in the morning, they were able to take that leadership and bring the spirituality in the home. And it was placed on them. They were responsible for doing that. And it wasn't relying on someone else or someone was, you know, um, in charge of a talk on Sunday or whatever it was. They were in charge of bringing that spirituality into the home, the spirit in the home. And that was really cool for me to see. So I got to see a lot of growth in my own kids for Sunday. So that was neat. That's cool. So uh, let's, I'll I'll do a final kind of wrap up question. Going off that, that, that thought there. Um, so we, I heard each of you in a way say that there are some definite benefits that you gathered by being at home with family during this coronavirus. Are there things that we have learned from that experience, which now that we're getting back into life, any thoughts that we can now say, oh, I, I learned this, I'm going to carry it with me now in this new world of post-coronavirus? Question makes sense? Any, any, any takers on that one? Sure, I'll... I'll jump in. Um, a couple, a couple of things, just uh, to sort of solidify what we've been talking about. How there are have been silver linings in some of this. Um, like Caroline said, you got your your girls home from BYU, and we had our two oldest come home. And there's a there's an age gap, right? So between like 
Preston and and Shepard, there's an eight-year gap. And while Preston was home, you know, Shepard was the annoying little brother, right? And I think Preston was surprised to come home and see this now high school student interacting with him in a completely different way. And uh, and I'm convinced that their relationship will forever be stronger because of this time that they had to really bond in, in new ways. And that just sort of reminded me of the importance of those family relationships. Um, and something else that I'll add, too, um, is through through Come Follow Me, we're reading the Book of Mormon right now, and this week we're reading in Third Nephi, uh, and we have been reading about the events just before Christ came to visit the Nephites. And one thing that's, that I've really appreciated is reading the Book of Mormon through this COVID experience because as you read through the, the struggles um, and things that happened to the people in the Book of Mormon, it's really no different than what's going on now. Like Sister Stuckey mentioned, the people in the grocery store who don't seem happy, don't seem to be interacting with one another. And as you read the Book of Mormon, it'll say, okay, so there are the people in the church and they had these warm contentions between them or, you know, they just they just didn't get along. Or you, you just get a feel that they just weren't functioning as a as a cohesive society and and in a lot of ways we mirror that and as you you read that and then and then just prior to Christ's coming you see that they just sort of dismantle their government right and we see the issues with our government as well well the Nephites have to dismantle their government and they have to just go to tribes right now we're just organized by families and I just see wow this is a lot of parallels but what jumped out to me was that in the very same chapter like in the very next verse it says that Nephi raised his brother from the dead. And I thought, wow, that's quite a miracle that is taking place in the midst of all of this breakdown of society. And just to wrap it, you know, this will be my type. We talked about President Hinckley and this fireside we met at. Well, I did have the opportunity to ask him. And even back then, 30 years ago, I was like, I don't have any, I don't have any hope for bringing children into this world. It just seemed so dismal at that time as well. And uh, that was 30 years ago, you know, and it's worse now. But he said, you know, for everything that is happening that seems negative in the world, there are more miracles, and you have to look for those. And so just reading the Book of Mormon, I think no matter what happens, um, just will help us understand that the things have happened before and that the Lord is still in control and and that things that have been prophesied will still happen in their due time. Great. Thank you. I like that you brought up miracles because we've, we've talked with our kids about that through this whole process also. If you look for them, you will see them because, because things happen every day that remind us that we're, we're not here by chance. There is a plan. The Savior is directing the work. And we just need to decide how we're going to be invested in it. Where, where are we going to be? You know, how, I mean, are, we have two missionaries out. This has been a challenging time for them to do missionary work. So I say, choose. How, how invested are you going to be in this? Be engaged in whatever you can do. Just, you, you know, you may be in your apartment 24-7. But, you know, we need to choose where we're going to stand with the Savior. And... And I think that looking for those little miracles that you talked about and, and having this time as, as a family to really talk about 
where we are as a family and where our commitment is, is a good jumping off place for our children as they grow that they can go, okay, we've done a hard thing and we grew closer to the Savior through this process. So we can do more hard things. That's awesome. Great. Thank you. I love what you guys were saying. I think for our my home, I think that I would say, um, I think it's a little easy sometimes to look at the negative sometimes, you know, and, and get a little frustrated with things that you we wish we could change or maybe speed up or um, our normal life is not happening the way it should. And I think sometimes we can get a little negative and, and not understand that it's it's like what you said um sister stuki that find find the miracles and i really believe that's the one thing i really want to press home with with my own children is be grateful be grateful show gratitude and everything show gra- be grateful for your teachers that are willing to go teach you be grateful for um you know if you do get a chance to go um play sports and get a gym opened be grateful for the simple little things that are that you now get to see in your life that maybe you didn't you took for granted and I want I want I'm really stressing in our home to to approach every day the best that we possibly can and it, it may look like a disaster and that's okay but we're going to try to find um, just gratitude and just be grateful for those little miracles that we took for granted oh thank you wow you know we could keep going but I'm thinking of getting the signal. It's time to time to wrap it up. So it's been a, just a pleasure to, to be with you. Thank you for joining us in our podcast, Sister Stuckey, Sister Keller, Sister Bauer. Uh, we just we we hope that the listeners enjoyed uh, the time we've had together, and we look forward to having more podcasts. We what we want to do is have us all listen to one another and say, how can we grow closer? How can I how can I be of one heart and one mind with with people? And thanks for letting us get to know a little bit more about you so we can be more of One Heart, One Mind. Thank you for listening to One Heart, One Mind. We hope that you have felt inspiration and hope in moving towards Zion. As always, thank you, and may the Lord bless you. Thanks for listening to One Heart, One Mind Nampa. Credit is given to Kim Keller, who oversees the podcast, both Lindy Bauer and Kim Keller, who are our hosts, Casey Maddox, the project director and announcer, and Rachel Bauer, who is our site director. Likewise, thanks also to Michelle Lundgren, our project manager, John Freeman, our communications coordinator, Jesus Gomez, the key grip and podcast editor, as well as Don Ricker, our digital platform manager.